Good morning, and my name is Richard, as I've said, and as Kev has said about 20 times. And um, we are in the middle, or we're just in the second session of a fantastic series today called uh, How People Grow. Dennis started us off a, a couple of weeks ago with this. Uh, we're kind of going to continue this sermon series over the summer. It will take us up to September time. But in the middle of them, they we're going to have random guest speakers, like we had David Payne last week, just coming and speaking on revival. Um, and it's kind of really built into the expectation that we have that God's uh, on the precipice of doing something. So it's how we're growing and growing closer to Jesus, but also you know, what God has planned and what God is going to do. So it's really exciting over this summer. Um, the, the struggle that I have, apart from being ill this week and, and struggling to prepare this, is Dennis has um, asked me to, to preach from this book, which is fantastic, and I really recommend you grab hold of this book. There's so many more like examples and testimonies and, and practical tips of how to do things. But he's asked me to, to speak on grace, which is cool, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit in one talk. And this, to me, seems quite difficult, to be honest. There is absolutely no way I'm going to be able to do this the justice that it deserves. And so, as I said, I really recommend grabbing the book. It's very easy to read and absolutely fantastic. Um, one of the things I love about the book is, at the beginning, it talks, uh, one of the authors, Henry Cloud, talks about um, his experience as a Christian counselor. He said that he went into uh, a Christian counseling, uh, I don't know, building or whatever it was, organization, and he was absolutely convinced, having come out of like seminary school, theological college, that if you just share the love of God, share the truth of how God sees people, then there could be real change inside. And, and you would absolutely agree, and I would absolutely agree, if you know God, that that, isn't, that has got to be entirely true. But honestly, he, he explains that even though he did that, even though he shared the truth about God, even though he opened the Bible and told people what, you know, what God thinks of them and what God says to them, he found that that made very little difference in people's lives. You know, he was surrounded by people that were depressed and that were struggling. And no matter how much truth he gave them, they, he often found that at times they were helped, and they may feel a little bit better, but rarely were they cured. Rarely, rarely was there a massive difference. And as the unpounds, and obviously, you know, there's a good story to this because he's written a book. But um, as he's written this book, and as he experienced over the next three, four or five years, um, a little bit more, and a little bit more how, about that, uh, how that works, and uh, not quite a formula, but something that works, and, and, and that's kind of what we're unpacking, but that's also what he wrote in the book, and that's what excites me about it. You know, often we talk to people and, and hope that the truth and the love of God changes people's lives, but there's often a little bit more about that. There's often a little bit more guidance, and I'm going to touch on that today by talking about God's um, part in that, and our relationship to God, and how uh, that God is, is part of that growth and, and quite essential to that growth, I guess. And so, you know, as I, as I think about it, you know, there are things that we struggle with. There's things that many of us struggle with, whether it's depression, insecurity, insignificance, or hopelessness. And, you know, often we look at ourselves and we want to be in a better place. We want to be in that place where we're full of life, of love. We're able to laugh despite the circumstances. And so what I'm going to try and do today is start to tackle that question. How can we become that person? How can we grow to become that person? At De uh, last week, Dennis said at the core of it, these issues that we're working on are not just growth issues. They're not just self-help. This is what you need to do to get better. And nor are they counseling issues. It's not so much sitting down and you know, just talking about your problems and just feeling better after that. But he was talking about the fact that they're spiritual issues. 
And that when we grow spiritually, every other area of our life grows along with it. And so the question here really is, is how do we grow spiritually? And I'm going to talk on three points. I'm going to talk on grace, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, or God. The first one is grace. The best way to say this is our motivation for growth is the love of the Father. Now, um, for me, I guess my, um, it all began when I was about 17. When I was 17, uh, I had looked back on my life and I thought, you know, I, I didn't really have much and uh, growing up I was particularly unpopular. In fact, when I was at school, I was voted the least funniest person. Uh, that hasn't changed, unfortunately. <laughs> um, I'm just more accepting of it. And, and you know, I, I wasn't particularly hit with the girls. I wasn't particularly hit with friends as well. I had a few, a few close friends, but that was pretty much it. And not only that, I'd come from a, a background that was quite poor. We didn't really have much food in the fridge or uh, money to spare. So I, when I was a teen, I decided that I was going to do everything I possibly could to get out of that place. And so I started dating a lot and trying to reach out into relationships. I started working really hard, trying to earn loads of money. And no matter how hard I tried, I often failed. If I got a great job and I started earning money, I often spent it just as quickly. If I got into a relationship, it wasn't too long before that relationship started to fall apart and I had to start all over again. And no matter how hard I tried, I always seemed to fail. I always seemed to struggle. And I always wanted to be a good person as well. I always wanted to be honoring of people and loving of people. And I always wanted to be well behaved, you know, I don't know why, but that's, that's kind of something that I always strive for. And yet I failed at that too. Uh, and one day I got arrested for doing something that I shouldn't have done. And I got put in jail for a couple of hours. There's no long story. I haven't got like some cool checkered history or anything. But, um, but I stepped out of that place having been arrested and uh, having been left off, let off with just a warning. And I, I couldn't help but look at my life and go, man, you have messed up. You are not doing very well at this. You are struggling. You are, you are absolutely failing at everything you do. And I, I couldn't help but reflect on my life and think that was entirely true. Something desperately needed to change. And as I thought about it, you know, I realized that I had to stop this fear of trusting people, and that, you know, still continued, I realized that I really needed help. Now, I'd love to tell you that at that moment, there was a, a prophet that walked up to me and said, Richard Gathard, your destiny is this, or you know, I found a Bible in the middle of the street, or something powerful happened. But the truth is, is that nothing dramatic happened. But then about four years later, when I came to follow God and came to know Jesus and came to put my trust in faith, one of the first things God did was take me back to that day. And he showed me almost perfectly from that day my journey for those four years. And the, how he had guided me from that day to, to into his presence. And as I looked on that, I realized that that day I finally came to the end of myself and I finally gave up and just said, I cannot do this alone. I am absolutely useless as a life thing. I realized God said, finally... You get it. Now it's my turn. And for me, you know, just to give you a little kind of glimpse of that, I walked out of the police station, realizing that I needed to do something. I walked around town, and I came across a shop, and uh, a suit shop, and they were hiring. Within half an hour of walking out of the police station, I had a job. 
I, I thought that was a fantastic coincidence. I thought I was doing really well. Meeting someone at the, um, at the, uh, at the suit shop who actually came here a couple of times uh, really randomly. He um, introduced me to rugby. And I was not very good at rugby. I was a very Forrest Gump. I'd grab the ball and run. I never actually fully understand the rules, to be honest. Um, but um, I, I really enjoyed that. And then the one day I, I kind of uh, was kind of connecting with this guy. And then we were on the pitch and we were playing on different teams. And I chased him from one end of the pitch to the other and, uh, and tackled him. And then suddenly realized he was having an asthma attack. And I thought, oh, gosh. And so I, I stayed with him and, and just kind of sat with him for a bit, and, and afterwards, after we recovered, <laughs> um, he said, you know, you're really good with people. Do you fancy coming to work with me? And he, he was actually the owner of a pub in town. And so I, I got an evening job with him as well. Through that evening job, I, uh, I met someone who was going to college or uni doing computing and business. Now, I'd, I was at school. I was doing incredibly badly. I was in top classes, but my A-levels had just come through, and I'd got a, I spelled this out very appropriately, I got an N, two E's and a D, which just spelled need, okay? <laughs> and I don't know if you, many of you know, but N basically means you've nearly passed, but you haven't quite. So it's just a mockery, really. Not only that, it was on the very last day of, uh, of school that I decided that actually I want to do something with my life. And, and being inspired by this guy and this guy telling me about the course, I thought, I'll apply for computing and business. I have no idea. It is a complete miracle how I managed to get accepted into that course. But I did. It was actually, uh, and as I went to that course, I met up with a guy who comes to this church, so we became really good friends. Both of us not a Christian, not really seeking for God, but yet his brother was a Christian, and he kept on giving us Christian CDs and, and various things, and we started listening to them. And they started to have an impact on our life, more than we probably realized at the time. And in that place, I also met someone on a night out in a group of girls dancing, who, uh, who then I walked home with trying to be a gentleman, and she tried to kiss me on the door, uh, doorstep. And I was like, whoa, you know, calm down. It's okay. I was just walking you home, just being a gentleman. And she said that thing that most people are saying in that situation. Oh, do you want to go to church? <laughs> I had no idea what that was. But, um, but I, I did. And I went to church once. And uh, that was the Burn Church in town. Another two years later, I was still on this journey. And... Um, and in that place, I also had a really good friend who had recommitted his life to Christ. And uh, just before I went traveling, he gave me a book, the Alpha book, Questions of Life. And as I went traveling, I read this book. And in this book, it started to talk about forgiveness. And I started to realize that I needed that forgiveness so desperately for the things that I'd done wrong. I don't know why I'm tearing up. That's crazy. Um, and it also talks about the Holy Spirit. And I... Just remember that day when I said, I need help. I desperately need help. And suddenly, here it was. Here was the Holy Spirit willing to help. And so I took this book, and I took this journey, and I, I looked back, and I was sitting there with God as he was showing me, step by step, how he had come into my life and taken control. The day, the absolute day, I said, I cannot do this alone. I have come to the end of myself. There is no way I have anything to offer myself or anyone else. <clears throat> and it was at that day that God stepped in and saved me. You know, the reason why I tell you this story, and the reason why I reflect over that, is because, because of that, I am absolutely 100% convinced that God loves us 
irrespective of what we've done, what we have to offer, what we have to give. He loves us unconditionally. He loves us without reserve. He loves us before we even know him, before anything we've done that would impress him. If anything, I probably thought that God would be ashamed of me, embarrassed about me. He'd probably see me as weak and absolutely nothing to offer. But actually, it was in that weakness as the Bible says, my grace is sufficient you, my, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. And I was absolutely in that place. And it's only when we realize that we have nothing to offer God or offer ourselves that he's able to step in and show us that grace. This, that is, grace is unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor and kindness. It's more than just forgiveness. It's a generous provision of everything we need to be able to accomplish everything that we want to and God has set in our hearts to, to do. But you know, grace itself and all that God does through grace, that itself is not the end story. That itself points to something even bigger. That God loves us, that he is for us, he is not against us. That his purposes and intentions for us are good. Now I'd carry on, but I think a great way to kind of um, explain this grace thing a little bit more is uh, through a DVD. We're, uh, we're, watching the, we're doing this course called The Me I Want to Be at the moment, and this is from the first session. It's about six minutes, um, but I'm going to play it. It talks about alternate versions where you think you should be, and then it finishes off with the, God, uh, the, the me that I'm meant to be. Let's just play that. It's such a good DVD and course, that. Um, it's only when we realize that God is more concerned about growing us do we actually feel it's possible to change and possible to grow. And that's why, and that was my first point, um, that's why our motivation for growth is the love of the Father. The second point, I'll run through the next two. Um, after the motivation being the love of the Father, our model for growth is the example of the Son. In other words, how Jesus lived. Um, we was, I was at a prayer breakfast, national prayer breakfast in Westminster uh, a couple of weeks ago, and you know, it's one of those things you can apply for and you know, desperately plead your case. And so I was surrounded by all these fantastic leaders and leaders of churches, leaders in government, leaders in you know, various charities, and then there was me. And um, in that place, they were talking about the, raising the aspirations of young people. And one of the things that someone said uh, at this kind of event was simply that one of the major issues in today's generation, in my generation as well, is very much the lack of good role models. And they were saying, you know, they're in some parts of the country where, uh, where a child is being raised up in a family where the last two generations have been unemployed, have been unable to hold down a steady job, and instead have relied on benefits. Now, if you're growing up in that environment, there's hard to see any other route, any other option than to, to continue that, that life of dependency on the state as opposed to uh, finding and achieving your own aspirations. And it kind of got me thinking, you know, that's, we desperately do need good role models. We need them in the church, we need them in our life. And good role models are people that can relate, we can relate to, that ha we have a good relationship with, and that can encourage us to be more than we are. And one of the things about this relationship with Jesus, this relationship with God, is that we ultimately look to God as our Father, as the one we look to and depend on. But it's hard to relate to an invisible and intangible God. But the amazing thing about Jesus coming as a man 
2,000 years ago was that he became, he was fully God, became fully human. He became the, the image of the invisible God. And in that, that means two things. That means, first of all, that we can relate to Jesus, and that means that Jesus can relate to us. Let me just unpack those points really quickly. We can relate to Jesus. So the Bible gives us these stories, these experiences, this lifestyle of Jesus. And as we look at that, we can look to that as a role model, as an example, as something to follow and something to, to seek after. Okay, there's loads of examples in the book again, and I think there's, a few of them are going to be unpacked. But let me just point to one as an example. The, um, we, look, we can look to the Bible as, um, or, yeah, we can look to the Bible and see how we can respond to suffering. And so when we look at Jesus, we, didn't, we see Jesus didn't avoid suffering. But at the same time, he chose when to you know, go through pain and when to step away from pain. I'll give you an example. He, there were times when he went and approached and embraced and walked through the pain. So when he was on the way to a cross. In other words, when he had purpose in it, when there was a reason for the pain to go through. On the other side of things, when he was teaching and People were disagreeing with what he was teaching. They tried to kill him. They tried to make him suffer for that. He stepped away. He escaped. There, were, there was a good time to get away from that painful situation. And it's the same with us. There's good times to step into pain when we're, um, you know, when we're, there's something we need to confess, a sin or a difficulty. We need to confess it in order to receive help and healing for it. But at the same time, there's times when we can avoid pain when there has no purpose in it, when we're in a, an abusive relationship, for example, and actually we're just being injured and suffering at that, and the other person's staying exactly the same. There's no purpose in it. And so we look at Jesus as an example of how to be. And the other thing that we also see in Jesus is that he shows us that there is a need to depend on God, and he teaches us how to pray and how to ask God for strength, but also there's a need to depend on others. In the hardest time, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, before he went to the cross, he asked for his friends, his closest friends, to be near him. And so we can look to and relate to Jesus. On the other side of things, Jesus can relate to us. Um, not only can we look to Jesus as an example, but we can also look to, look to Jesus as one who understands our suffering. That incredibly helpful and famous verse in Hebrews 4.15, we do not have a high priest that is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, yet did not sin. Jesus lived this life. He struggled as we have struggled and maybe still struggling at the moment or may do in the future. And he went through those struggles without sinning, without making a mistake, without doing the wrong thing. And as we looked at that, we not only have this relationship with God where he can, with Jesus, where he can uh, encourage us, knowing that he's been through everything that we're going through, but also that he came out of it on top. And then if we rely on trust in him and have that relationship with him, then we also can know that we can come through difficult times, good times, and other times, knowing that we can always come out on top. And so those two things. Um, that's why the our model for growth is the example of the son, Jesus. Finally, the means for growth is through the power of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does a number of things with us. It has a number of ways that it draws truth out of us. And in fact, Jesus said this, but very truly I tell you, it is good for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The Holy Spirit's our advocate. It's someone who comes alongside of us. It's someone that speaks to us. 
And there's loads of things that the Holy Spirit does. It reveals truth inside of us. It can help us change. It can help us do things. And a couple of things. He can show us where our hearts are, where we actually need healing, where we need to change. In Psalm 139, it says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. We do SMTs in this church and restore course. And very much the crux of that is not giving you the answer to life, but it's getting you to listen to the Holy Spirit and letting the Holy Spirit bring stuff up as, as difficult as that may be. And so the Holy Spirit can deal with that. And I did SMTs as well, and there was stuff that came up that I was incredibly uncomfortable with. And some things that I just did not know were wrong and were difficult in my life. And yet he records those memories, and as we trust in the Holy Spirit, as we trust in people, the Holy Spirit is able to bring that healing and bring that touch. Well, the other thing that he does is also bring out the best characteristics in us. That Galatians 5.12, I think it is, or later on, um, the, the fruits of the Spirit. He can bring out that love, that joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So the question is, and I'll finish on this, how do you rely on the Holy Spirit? We so often overcomplicate this. We so often try and define how the Holy Spirit should work in our lives and try and figure out how we can have that experience of the Holy Spirit. We would so save ourselves much confusion and much you know, deliberation if we would just simply go, the relationship with the Holy Spirit is a moment-by-moment -moment dependency. Not looking for the things that we seek for and want, but just going, God, I need your help with this. I need your help with this thing, this work situation, this family situation, this life situation. I need your help with you know, this thing that I'm struggling with, this temptation, this, uh, this insecurity that I have. Every time that thing comes to mind, every time the Holy Spirit prompts that inside of us, and the Holy Spirit continually works inside of us, every time that thing comes up, just go, Holy Spirit, I need your help on this. It sounds incredibly simple, and it really is. But the key, and again, coming back to that grace thing, is you've got to come to the end of yourself. You've got to come to realize that there's nothing that you can do. It's not a self-help thing where you can work harder and get through stuff. It's coming to that point where you say, okay, I can't do anything about this. Holy Spirit, would you help me? Not looking for another answer and finding yourself fighting and fighting and fighting. There's only so much you can fight. Choose that easier road straight away, that surrender, that dependency on God that reliance on God. And as you do that, the Holy Spirit is able just to minister and speak through you and to you straight away. We have to, we have to face the inability to depend and depend on God and, and depend on each other. We have to reach out and be empowered. We cannot do it on our own. And that's why it says, um, I can't remember where it says actually, and that's why it says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is is perfect in your weakness. But at the same time, neither is it giving it entirely to God and just sitting back and letting God work on it. The best thing that someone ever said to me was, work as if it all depends on you, you know, as in get yourself into the right place, have the right conversations. You know, if you're preparing for something at work, write and, and do what you need to do to prepare. If you've got an exam, study as hard as you can. But not just that, in the same breath, as you work as if it depends on you, pray as if it entirely depends on God. And let God just minister and speak and work through you as you do that. And let me leave you with this thought, and if I can invite the band back up, that'd be great. 
we're not just saved by grace, but we also live by grace. God didn't die on the cross and make entire provisions for us to know him. He didn't make this journey to earth and come to know us and come to love us and come to save us and pay that ultimate price just so he could leave us alone to struggle in life. In that same grace, that same undeserved, unmerited, unearned love and gift that he gave us, he continues in that same breath, in that same life, as he pours out his grace on, on us as we seek to grow and seek in relationship with him. We're not just saved by grace, we live by grace too. Would you go stand? Let me pray and we'll worship. Father God, I just want to say thank you that you are our all-sufficient Savior. That your grace is sufficient. And when we come to the end of ourselves, Lord, we can know that you are there. You are for us and not against us. You are the one that we can look to. You are a motivation of the love of the Father. You are a model in Jesus. And Father God, by the means of which we accomplish growth or do life well is the means of through the Holy Spirit. So would you come and would you help us do that? Would you help us surrender and give all to you? I pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.